Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. All right, we are back on the death lineup. Am I taking you away from Memphis and New Orleans? I wasn't even watching it. I was at the gym. Oh, man. You weren't supposed to say that. You're supposed to say that you were dialed into the NBA. League pass, Timberwolves, or Pelicans broadcast. Messed (laughs) up, man. Uh, Okay, so we're back a couple days early because I have to go to the office on Thursday, which means I won't get back until super late. So we're going to go now. Uh, day after the Warriors beat the Spurs on uh, run the run TMC takeover night, uh, but also only uh, a couple of days after they lost to the Kings uh, in a game in which they could not pull away and they were ahead in the fourth quarter. That's been a common theme this year. But let's actually go back really quick. We're not going to talk about this for a long time because we got Wiseman stuff to talk about. But Friday. Cleveland, Mm. we were talking about this game the day before on Thursday. You said the Warriors were going to lose. You had no faith. And I said they were going to win because they were trying to get back to 500. And then they go and lose to the Kings. But that was like, I think that was the best game of the season. Not, Not even just how well they played. I don't think they played the best they played this season. But as far as a competitive basketball game against a competitive team, a really good young team, that game was really fun. Yeah, kind of like a, you know, as a basketball fan, that's probably the game you want to see. Like a close game, Steph Curry going off is always fun theatrics. And, you know, so I agree with you there. All right. So that game where they play the two bigs, Jared Allen and Evan Mobley, I thought, would James Wiseman have fit in that game in any way? No. Not with how he's currently playing, no. Okay, but but why not? What what would have stopped him from guarding one of the two bigs, being there, helping get rebounds, helping contest shots? Like, what? Why can't he play in that game? Well, I feel like all the things you just listed is essentially things he's struggling at right now: the ability to get a rebound, the ability to contest someone efficiently. You know, like it's he's kind of he's he's kind of just in the way. So, like the way he's currently playing. I don't think you can really put him in many games right now, which I think we're going to talk about with this G League stuff. But I think you'd think, right, seven footer, go go bang with the bigs, like I, that. That would that would you know make sense as a as, in a fit perspective. 
Um, but we're going to get to this again. I watched Wiseman hide. I was like, I just got into like, um, during work, I was bored lunchtime. I was like, ah, I want to watch like, how good was Wiseman in high school? Like, why were we so hyped on this kid? Mm-hmm. And I watched the highlights and I mean, I understand now why, but he got killed by Evan Mobley in high school. So oh, really he did. Yeah. And what, what was he getting killed in? Was it transition? Was it post-ups? Um, he was getting killed. Evan Mobley was able to take him off the dribble and Evan Mobley was able to out rebound him. Uh, and you know, Evan Mobley is a really, really smart player already at his age. Mm-hmm. And you could see that when he was like 17 too. So, I mean, bad matchup for him, but also Isaiah Stewart. I watched Wiseman versus Stewart and Stewart was able to kind of get his way as well. Interesting. Uh, okay. So James Wiseman, uh, according to Steve Kerr is going to have a, long-ish G League stint in Santa Cruz. He said 10 days or so. He didn't actually put uh, a games on that because I think they have... I'm trying to think between... In, in the next 10 days, I think they have three games. I'll look that up in a second. But this is something that you've been a proponent for is getting him back down there. I have not. And the reason I have not is because he's going to play well. And he's bigger than everybody. And he's going to be able to post up people. He's going to be able to get rebounds just by being tall. And I I just don't feel like it's beneficial to the things that he's not doing good right now. But if this is a mental thing and if this is a confidence thing, then that will definitely help. But it's not like Jordan Poole, who was just missing shots and creating turnovers like, you know, then he's going to go down there and he's going to get back in rhythm. For Wiseman, I just think he's going to be good at the stuff that he's always good at. And it's not real competition for him to... And we saw a little bit of it last night because he did come in late in the game. And I think even Mullen, Chris Mullen said that Wiseman at some point needs to block that shot when he just went vertical. And I forget mm-hmm. the guard who laid it in right, right next to him. But... Uh, I I don't know. I mean, I would rather him be up with the team and practicing and them like working with him and and him fighting on the second team if they get a couple practices in than him just being great in, in the G League. But they feel like it's the best thing for him and he's going to get some run down there. And hopefully it does. Hopefully it is a mental thing. And, and he that's what what is the issue. And he can get some of that confidence back. Yeah. Yeah. Um... I think I think that's an interesting point you bring up where Jordan Poole was sent down and from a fan perspective like he was you could see the flashes in the sense of like he was able to create a shot mm-hmm. like the shots he was taking were most of the time like pretty good shots if you're I don't know this like a, a guy who can knock him down essentially so when he went down it was more like he's getting he's getting the opportunities and getting the shots but he couldn't hit the shot and it was just yeah. looking really bad percentage wise but Wiseman's kind of you know, messing up on a lot of basic things instead of Jordan Poole's issue. So that's a, that's a good point. But yeah, for me, it was more the mental thing. Um, him him just remembering that, you know, he is a dog and, and he is really good at the sport that he's been playing his entire life and to, to remember that. Uh, but do you want to talk about some of the stuff? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, yeah, what do you what do you want to talk about in this? No, go for it. If, if you have okay. some okay. insights here. So you know, watching the high school tape, I tried to stay away from 
highlights, but it's kind of hard to just not to find not highlights. You know, I, I saw like, I think the highlights of a game, the Wiseman Mobley game, and then the Wiseman Stewart game. And then I just kind of watched his college stuff a little because there's only what three games. Yeah. And what's interesting is that I think, I don't know who wrote the piece today because I didn't read it, but I saw that Sam and, and Warriors World were talking about it. Uh, if it was TKMT or, or Slater, but Slater wrote a post after, or it was, it was up early this morning. It was probably up like it was probably Slater then. in the morning. There was a little excerpt that said that he was, I think it was Lakeup that was calling him like a once in a decade prospect that he saw Embiid in him. And that was, so a, went, that was a quote from previous. previous? That was not okay. a quote from last night. Okay. So, you know, I went back, I was like, okay, we, we know Embiid's game. We know what he's really elite at. And so I went back and watched Wiseman stuff. And I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of like what we saw in his rookie year for high school. He kind of, he had the, he had the, he had the freedom to, to do whatever he wanted. And you see the athleticism, you see that when he's in transition, he, he could be like the first one down the court just because of how fast he is and the strides he takes um, and get and get easy transition buckets like that. I also saw him, which I'm sure we don't really want him to do in the NBA because he did it a little bit in his rookie year, but he started the break yeah. on some of them and actually made good passes from it because maybe he, he you know, uh, he's able to see at his height, he's able to see more of the court, more over people so he could maybe make a better pass there. Like, you could see all of the flashes and all of the skills, but you could also see like he was just so raw. Mm-hmm. And I and he likes he liked to get his buckets. Um, again, what we saw in his rookie year, he liked to start his offense from the face up jump shots. Uh, he also took a couple like fades, but doing that and making his defender have to come up and guard him was then opened up his post stuff, then opened up his off the dribble stuff because if you know, they're probably sagging off in the beginning and he could be able to shoot some wide open jumpers, get his offense started in the mid range. That's essentially just going to open up the paint stuff for him. So they'll they'll guard him close. Then he'll be able to drive because he's faster. He's an athletic guy. Um, and then when he went to college, you could tell that that Penny had him dimmed down to that JaVale role where he was just catching lobs and, and playing defense and setting screens. Mm-hmm. And it was a lot of, uh, of, and he played that role right, right in college, which I thought was interesting. He gets the, he gets the freedom in high school, show who you are. And in college, Penny just kind of threw him into a role. Um, and, and then his rookie year in the Warriors, he gets the freedom and you see the flashes, but this year, two years later, he's in a role and he's sucking at it. So I, I, I see I see the tidbit of Embiid because you know, we we know Embiid likes to get his offense kind of off of those uh, off of those mid range free throw area jumpers, face up shots. But he's not like the most athletic guy when he's driving to the hoop. Um, just really powerful. But I I feel like if I feel like Wiseman can't be in that role. Like I feel like he's got to he can do some of that some of that uh that flashy stuff that he did from high school whether it is the face up stuff from mid range to get his offense going and still be in that javel role like I, I still think that the warriors need to work with him to implement some of the stuff he is good at before they hammer in on like a specific role for him here's the passage from slater's piece he said or he wrote this was a center who started and scored 18 and 19 points in his first two career games. The prospect who Joe Lacob called once in a decade, a once in a decade talent, the player who will make 12.1 million next season multiplied by eight on the Warriors rocketing tax bill. So I didn't realize it was eight now. I thought it was seven. I think I've said that a couple of times in this podcast that I thought it was a seven multiplier, but it's eight, which means 
that's a lot of money. That's damn yeah. near a hundred. If it isn't a hundred, a lot of money. Yeah. And you know, it's a little bit easier this year cause he's making like nine and then next year it goes up to 12. So that's, that's a harder swallow. Okay. So here's a question because all of the things you just talked about don't really fit with Steph Curry's basketball yeah. genius, right? Yeah. If James Wiseman needs the ball in his hands to cook in order to be an effective player. Now everybody needs the ball to score, right? Like no one is like clay who just can touch it for a second balls in the air. And he, like we look at Jordan Poole, and Jordan Poole, you know, he's breakdancing a lot of time yesterday. He was a lot more decisive, which meant his decision-making was, you know, either shoot, shoot, go to the go to the cup or pass. But uh, Tim Hardaway and, and Mullen kept calling it straight line last night. That's how they talked about it. Was he needs to go in a straight line? And so, uh, if Wiseman does need the touches, the actual physical touches to get going, he's a second team player. And I'm going to throw this at you. This is a hot take and a half right here, okay? We saw how Jordan and Steph played together last night. They were, it was almost like, it was like, okay, this is not the best, this is not the best comparison, but remember when Steph and KD were playing, it was like, okay, Steph's going to get his next play. KD gets his, then Steph, then KD, and they they would cook in that way. That sort of felt like last night. Steph would get his, then boom, Jordan would get his. I wonder if you got to bring bring Clay off the bench. And what you would do is you would have DiVincenzo, whose whole thing is about getting people involved, unlike Poole. That's why he was playing well with Poole, because Poole can get his still, because DiVincenzo is setting things up. You have Wiseman, Clay, DiVincenzo, and then you're probably having to play Lamb or Kuminga in that spot. Uh, unless Andre comes back, which it sounds like you were right last week that it sounds like he's he's like not anywhere close. Um, but what do you think about that? Because Draymond made a comment after the Sacramento game, and he said that the second team plays too much like the first team because Poole and Curry play similarly. So if Poole goes off, it's great. But if he struggles, that's when they're giving up leads. So what do you think about making a change and having Clay play the six-man role instead of Jordan? I think on paper, it makes so much sense. And I feel like any other team would probably make the move. But I feel like with Poole, it's not necessarily that he needs to start to play well. I feel like it's more he just needs more minutes with like Steph and Dre Mm -hmm. to play well. So I don't know. It's just like the Warriors are really good. I've said this in the past. They're really good about showing that a demotion isn't a demotion. Wiseman to the G League isn't a demotion. Pool to the bench. Steph it's kind bench, of a demotion, though. Uh, this it, is a demotion. We're, we're like, trying to really shine a, a turd here. It's It feels very much like a demotion. Yeah, it really is a demotion. But I I just think if you stick the course and stay with Clay, like that pays off longer in the long term. Like Poole will figure it out. I'm convinced he will because I don't think it's a starter bench thing. I think for him, it really is just getting the right minutes with the right people. Um, okay, and then, but what like, about what about the Draymond comment that the first team and the second team play too similarly? Is that like that much of a bad thing? 
I know with personnel, like the second team obviously doesn't have the personnel that the first team has. But I mean, if we go by your your what you mentioned last week with your rotations, like there's a good amount of starters that are, that yeah, are in the second. And, and unit that would that. be the other uh, the flip side, right? Which is to to kind of pair pair guys together or pair units together a little bit better. Yeah. But um, I, I think it, I think all that stuff should be on the table though, because you mentioned this in a, in a podcast uh, probably a couple weeks ago now where Steph Curry set the tone by coming off the bench in the playoffs last year, basically saying, if I can come off the bench, anybody can come off the bench. Andre Iguodala's Warriors career. Well, he was a starter before. Um, was he a starter? Did he, was start he starter on during, Denver? During no, yeah, he was. He was he was a starter on Denver okay. and Philly. But I when uh when the Warriors drafted Harrison. Yeah, that's a good question. Uh he he yeah. was he was starting because Harris, I believe Harrison was coming off the bench because that was the Mark Jackson year. The first mm-hmm. Steve Kerr year when they win the title, Harrison starts and Iguodala comes off the bench. Mm-hmm. And so his whole career as a champion starts by being a team player. And Andre will tell you that he's not happy. He wasn't happy. He did it because it was best for the team, but he always saw himself as a starter. Mm -hmm. So I just wonder if we're at that point and if, uh, if clay, cause Sacramento game, clay shot a little bit better, but he was still hunting for shots. He's hunting to get hot. Like he's trying to catch fire and he's hunting for shots, and he's pulling up so early on the shot clock. I just feel like if you kind of put the ball in his hands a little bit more on that second team, and you go, "Dude, you're the you're the you're the top priority here offensively." He doesn't have to throw it up like it's a time bomb because with Steph is cooking, and he's like, "Oh man, Steph is cooking. I'm I'm gonna have to get a shot up here, or else you know I, I may not get a shot." You know, or, or I don't know what he's thinking, but that's just what it looks like, right? Because Steph has been so great. And you want Steph, you want that usage with Steph to, to be up because he's so efficient right now. And, and Clay isn't. So I don't know. I think I, it's just an option. I, I'm sure the Warriors coaching staff is looking at everything. Yeah. I'm sure Clay's mental state and his emotional state is part of that thing. He was he was with Run TMC last night and Tim Tim Hardaway God made a it. very interesting comment that I think was meant to kind of give Clay a kick in the butt a little bit. I know what you're yep, I know exactly. I don't think Clay took it that way though, but he was like, Clay, tell me if I'm wrong here. <laughs> it seems like you're one hundred percent, but you just need to play like you're one hundred percent and you're still building back up to that. Like physically you're telling yourself that your legs not hurt and you're 100%. And he he meant it as a as a compliment, but in this like kind of tough love Tim Hardaway kind of a uh, way. And I I started laughing cuz I was like, "Oh, I know where this is coming. Tim is a point guard, Tim is a bulldog, Tim is a team leader. Tim sees the same stuff that we see, but at the same time he knows that what what Tim is trying to do, Tim is trying to unlock the greatness in Clay, right? That's what Draymond is trying to do. That's what Steph is trying. They're just trying to unlock it. And so Tim was given a little bit of tough love. And Clay, like, he didn't know how to answer it. He just like, uh, thanks. Yeah, I feel a hundred percent. And then they just mm-hmm. moved on. Yeah. So I like there there's something there. And I know he had a quote that I sent you and Ben earlier where I was like, 
I wouldn't have answered it like that. You know, he's he seems to be reading the the Twitter sphere and reading Warriors Twitter and you know responding to the uh you know to to Sam and Andy and 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 their crew about yeah. how how poorly he's playing. And really what he's doing is he's not playing within the flow of the game. And I think it's hurting the team. And then on the other side, we, we've seen the defensive thing where the other team's just like, we're just attacking this guy. Like Kevin Herter's like, Clay's on me? Yes. And they're like, who would have thought that, right? Two or three right. years ago, Clay, uh, Kevin Herter would have been like, man, can can Steph guard me? Like, at least I have a little bit of height on him. Yep. So, I mean, do, do you see any other solutions to the current lineup problems to unlock Clay or to unlock Jordan? Because that's the other thing, right? Is... Jordan has not been great either. And then he was great last night when he was able to start and it was and, and Clay wasn't there. And Clay was even like, man, Jordan's so fast. Like Clay was giving props to all the things about Jordan that Clay is not good at, which I thought was very interesting. Oh man, look, look Jordan, Jordan, go for 40. I was like, yeah, he might go for 40. I was like, wow, that must have been tough for him watching this dude who could like he wants to replace them, right? Like that's kind of his ultimate goal is to be yeah. the starting guard on the Warriors. But that I think his ultimate goal weird. is to replace Steph. Maybe I don't know. That's like the I feel like that's that mindset he has. The sky's the sky's the limit. But I don't. We I mean you could tell. I think Clay's totally going through it. Like his um Aisha uh, not Aisha sorry Sonya that's Steph's mom right? Mm-hmm. She even like responded to like one of those Warriors pages on Instagram like Warriors talk or something on Instagram who posted that Barkley quote and was like, Clay, you know, you've always been so-and-so don't listen to them. Like, I think everyone knows he's being, he's like a little emotional about it right now. And I totally understand why. Like, I think I told you at, when I came over and watched the sack game that, yeah, you know, he, he literally drove to Oracle after a game, after a bad game by him that they lost. And was like, said something like, Oh man, like these were the times or something like that. Like who does that? Yeah. <laughs> who goes from chase to Oracle? That's kind of a drive, you know, maybe 30 minutes. Actually, how long is that as chase to from Oracle, chase to Oracle? Oh uh, yeah, probably, probably 30 minutes. That. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he just did it. I mean, you know, so he, I think that, I think that, I think that there should be a way where maybe you demote him. But like really say that like you can't say it's not a demotion. He knows it's a demotion. But like say like, dude, we're just doing this to get you going and trying to unlock you. And then you're back in the starting lineup once you're unlocked. Mm -hmm. But is I, it I good I, to Pogo Jordan? Jordan's 23. Like like <laughs> Clay is going to have a statue at Chase. You know, like if you really are going to be like, this is the move that if we don't make, we're not going to win a championship like we have no chance of winning a championship, then obviously do it. But like, I don't think that's the case here. I think Jordan, you know, if you look at the, the rotations, like even though Jordan doesn't start, he's the first one off the bench taking clay out within like five minutes. Five in. minutes. Like it's sort of a five right? minute thing. Yeah. Like it's, he's basically a starter in that sense. So I don't know. Jordan just needs to get cooking with Steph. Like what happens? I think you have the starting lineup, Jordan comes in and then you do the Steph, your turn, my turn. And then Jordan's going, he's already, he's already warm and hot by the time the reserves are in. And then he could just, you know, like, like just do what he did against the, against the Spurs. But it's like you just come in a little five minutes later. But I mean, I would be on board with the temporary demotion. But Clay's just Clay, man. I'm just always going to root for that guy. Is it too cold to get out on the boat right now? 
Maybe that's what he needs. He just needs to get back in the boat. Yeah, I haven't seen as many Instagram lives with him on the boat. It's probably because, you know, it's it's busy. But last week they they had a whole like four days off or whatever. So he should yeah, but it's, it's like cold. a fish out of water. It's probably cold, it cold and windy and it's really probably cold. not that safe to go out there on the boat. But he need you know, he he also had a comment about Kobe, about how Kobe was very much to himself, uh, wasn't really about the fraternizing part of basketball and I kind of wondered about him. I, I, I'm sure a lot of people like Clay, but do you? Is he someone who hangs out with a lot of these guys? He doesn't seem to be part of that AAU crew where he's just yeah. like friends with like you know two or three people on every team or whatever. Yeah, I would guess that like Steph and Dre are just like closer friends outside of basketball than Steph and Clay are. You know, I've, he he's got he grew up in a, a sports family. He's got mm-hmm. a father who's. Uh, who was a, I think, I think his dad was like either the first or second pick in the NBA draft. His brother's a, a baseball player and his brother has had to fight through, you know, Clay's a more, Clay's more successful at basketball than his brother's at baseball, but his brother finally broke through with the Dodgers and, and, and maybe we'll get a little bit of money here, here, or there for, mm-hmm. for that, you know, coming in. I think he's like 30 years old now. More reason to curse Farhan. Had <laughs> Why would you not? Why not? The season was a bust. You might as well have just signed Trace when he was available. <laughs> have Thompson, brother. Uh, but yeah, so you know he's got he's got a lot of people who can help him get through stuff like this. Uh, I'm sure KD from the Achilles tendon point of view, you know he's he's out there for for Clay as well, and Clay's got to figure out and do you know however he decides to mend and. And, uh, you know, whoever he reaches out to, it's it's on his own. And I, I, I'm just such a fan of his that I it almost breaks my heart to see him not play well, because you know yeah. how much he feels it. You know how much he's wearing it. And just to see him, you know, that's why last year we sort of saw this last year when he came back. He was kind of like this, but then he reversed it in the playoffs especially in that in the Boston series, right? Like he, mm-hmm. he was back to just fighting and fighting and fighting and fighting. And maybe it's just the regular season. But I also think like, man, some of these teams, they are bad matchups for, for him. If he loses a little bit of a step, you know, the, 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 we're, we're going to have the rematch of, of the Devin Booker thing, you know, coming up tomorrow yeah. where they, they got into it and it seemed like that was the beginning of Clay's frustration getting the best of him, which was that moment. It was. Yeah. So, and, yeah. I mean, yeah, to piggyback off of that, like if you really think about the fraternizing, like Clay's not, Clay doesn't have kids. For all we know, he doesn't have a girlfriend anymore or a wife. He's kind of more like KD than he is Steph in the sense of his life away from the game. Like KD lives, breathes basketball, right? Like he, I only feel like lately KD has been, you know, hanging out with his teammates or like, like, I think he went to like a Travis Scott concert with, with uh, James Harden over the summer. But like, I feel like I didn't really see KD doing that stuff early. Like Clay's kind of like that too, where he just lives, breathes basketball, mm-hmm. uh, sailing and Rocco, his dog. So like, it, I mean, yeah, he's just, he doesn't, it doesn't seem like the most, like the biggest ambassador of brands, but like, it seems like he's on that cash app wave lately, <laughs> but yeah, he, I mean, Steph is just like, you know, the family man, the the businessman, ton of different Stephs. Clay is just, Clay, I want to be on my boat, and I want my dog to be there, and I want to play basketball. Yeah. And yeah. didn't him and KD have that same injury? Was it the, the Achilles? Yeah, well, at least one of Clay's so, injuries. 
So I remember when that was, yeah, the 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 latter half of the injuries. Um, I wasn't it Dominique Wilkins who had an injury like that too, and he was able to retain his like offensive ability, but his defensive ability where it's like he kind of lost a step. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that's what's happening with Clay, but he's he's also not doing well offensively right now, and it's not. I don't think it's the injury. It's just like either he's in his head and the shot's not falling, he's rushing. Um, so. I, I'm just I I totally think Clay's going to be fine on offense. I think it's the defensive end that's probably going to hurt him, stunt him. And with KD, it's not always that he's been like the quickest. I feel like defensively, he's kind of been able to use his length to his advantage mm-hmm. and stay in front of guys. I don't know. Do you want to go back to Wiseman? I have a few other Wiseman things. No, no, no. Yeah, we're going to talk about Wiseman. Okay, um, okay. So, yeah, we we went off the we went off the tangent, but um, I think. The thing that I want to see with Wiseman is okay. So actually, let me step back. The reason why I wanted him to stay on the team is because mm-hmm. I wanted Kerr to figure it out with him. I wanted Kerr to put him in the right lineups and to see and to to test where he fits best. And they they gave up on him fairly quickly, right? Like ten games into the season. You know, you would think, oh, maybe 25, 30 games, you can sort of figure it out. But they were losing. And so they that I think they they felt like we can't lose too many more games. And Anthony Slater in the piece, in the piece that uh, he that I, I was mentioning, he said, um, let me see if I can find the piece. He was talking about the 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 plus minus with with the with him in the game. And it was something like all of the all of the worst plus minuses uh, for, for the, the five man, like he was on like all the worst ones. And so that doesn't say, that doesn't say much for him. Right. Cause you're like, okay, well how can we be creative and put him with some of the, the good lineups? And it didn't, it didn't look like any of them were working. And so I don't know what that means as far as, you know, what they could have done, but I I wanted them to experiment. I wanted them to go, Oh, we need to play him only with Draymond like that. Like he just has to be on the floor with Draymond mm-hmm. and maybe he can't be on the floor with anybody else. Who's going to make a mistake because he's the one making the mistakes. And so it's Draymond and then it's like DiVincenzo and then it's clay and then whoever you put at small forward, Moody, whatever it is, like you're putting like a solid unit who aren't going to really make those mistakes so that Wiseman can make those mistakes and and everyone else can sort of be accountable for him. But they didn't do that. Like they they just, it seemed like he was just playing with the second team and he was kind of out there and it was like, uh, you know, no life raft. And, and I thought, that they would have treated him a little bit differently considering the expectations for him. Uh, but they, they've been tough love on these young guys, right? Kaminga, he got, he got DMPs. Moody got DMPs. Pool's been taken out of fourth quarters because of terrible defense. So that's their style. I just wish that they would have tried to be a little bit more creative, a little bit more experimental in the units to put him with so that he would have some success. And then you can go, okay, this is what he's doing well. This is what he's not doing well. Let's do more of these things. Yeah, I mean, for me, like watching a little bit more tape, it was, uh, by the way, I totally agree with everything you just said. Um, But like I've noticed that 
you look at bigs like Rob Williams and, and Jaron Jackson Jr., who are, you know, pretty darn good at blocking shots and, and kind of filling that role. Uh, maybe less with Rob because he's a little more undersized, but it feels like a lot of these bigs play big in the sense of like when they're down there in the paint, you know, they're standing at their seven feet tall. I've noticed with Wiseman that he gets low and he gets to like a six, 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 seven range when he basically is seven feet tall. And that makes it harder to, you know, maybe jump high and block a shot or or jump high and, and contest a shot better because you're covering more ground when you're jumping in the air. Whether whereas if you're already at the seven feet, you know, you could you don't have to jump jump as high. And I've noticed that like even with guarding Jay in the past, like I, I used to guard him like you mean your little street. brother? My little brother. <laughs> like I've noticed that and this is not related to basketball, but I feel like and I know it does, but this feels like a pretty like uh just to help people understand like common basketball, I feel like, but mm-hmm. I know I, I consider myself a pretty good defender, but when I was guarding JJ, JJ is a pretty darn shifty player. Mm-hmm. And I tried to use my size to like guard him, like just stand tall and, and move my feet. But what I've noticed is that when you get lower, it's a lot easier to defend in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if Wiseman's doing that because it's easier to stay in front of people when he's low. And, and I mean, he doesn't get blown by that much. It's just people kind of hit shots in his face or, or, um, hit a good contested layup when he should be contesting it just a little more. But I wonder if it's like you look at Aiton, you look at a lot of these other bigs, like they stand at their seven feet tall. When they're boxing out, they're not getting that low. And Wiseman just gets so low in those regards. And and I've also noticed that Wiseman, when he's boxing out, he lets the defender come to him um, when he when he's setting the box out. Let, they lets them run into him. I feel like he needs to back up more to them and find the guy and, and back up more. But he's like letting them like run into him when he's boxing out. And that's giving them the, the running start advantage to jump over him and grab a rebound. Mm. I do notice, and then the, and I've said this before, where I just wanted him on the court to just try and block shots. Like try mm. and use your athleticism and go grab shots. But then sometimes that comes the fouling. And I'm sure the coaches are like, You like you guys are fouling too much. So that's probably in his mind, like, okay. I want to be aggressive, but then if I foul, I'm going to get taken out of the game. And so that's also part of it. By the way, your bro- your brother thinks he plays like Steph. He plays a little bit more like Jordan Poole. <laughs> that's um, why he's got his jersey. He loves Jordan Poole. <laughs> um, yeah, so it, it, it'll, you know, maybe, we're, maybe we'll get to see Wiseman if, if they go uh, play. If he stays for that, that Ignite game and, and Scoot is there, that might be a good game to go to. Mm-hmm. That would be pretty cool. Scoot's going to kick his butt. <laughs> uh, how tall is Scoot? He's like six, like he, six two, six yeah, three. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's really short. Really, oh, he's so good. All right. Uh, so Steph Curry won the Player of the Week, and I was like, I was wondering. Now uh, LeBron is older than than Steph, so of course Steph cannot be the oldest player to win Player of the Week. That I'm sure there are many older players to win Player Kareem. of the Week, but yeah, but uh, you know Steph is he averaged 38 points on 64% shooting and made 16 threes in three games. So that's that goes all the way back to last week. Uh, 19th time in his career where he is player of the week. Um, and I thought this was pretty interesting because we were talking about Tim Hardaway a little bit. So the players who have won player of the week in Warriors history, now I'm going to guess that going back to the 70s, they did not have this award because there's mm-hmm. no Rick Barry on this list. But I'm going to give you 
some rankings for player of the most player of the week for the Warriors. Okay. There are three players who have had four player of the week in, in Warrior history. Can who I guess? Would you guess? Yeah. I would guess Steph, KD, and Mullen, Chris. Okay. So Steph is way more than four. Yeah. Um, KD is not on this list. What? <laughs> enough. So, um, cause it's only, it's only the, the, the top five. This is only the top five. So, Oh, I thought you, okay. Sorry. Can you rephrase that question one more time or just re-say it? I think I just misinterpreted it. Okay. So there's, uh, there's five players on this list. Mm-hmm. The, the, there's three people who have won four player of the weeks. You got one of them in Chris yeah, Mullen. Obviously. There's and, two uh, others. Steph is not on. Steph is not one of these three because he has more than four. <laughs> I feel like an idiot not understanding this question. <laughs> um, Baron Davis. Baron Davis is one. He has four. Chris Mullen has four. There is another player who has four. Four. What's like? He was like in their range. I would guess. We just talked about this guy. Tim Hardaway or Clay. 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 Okay. Clay, Chris Mullen, Baron Davis all have four. Okay. Tim Hardaway has five. Steph has 19. How does KD not have at least four player of the weeks for the Warriors? It must have just been like anti, like we can't give these guys any awards because their team is so stacked. Yeah, I don't know. I guess so. So the, they, they began giving the award out in 1979. Embiid and his. 50 50 bomb uh he got player of the week mm-hmm. for the eastern conference but uh so okay so uh curry became the oldest player to record back-to-back 40 point games since michael jordan did in 2002 and uh he also has extended his nba record streak to 201 consecutive regular season games with at least one three-pointer mm. okay so i said all that to say this which is the reason why this timeline, why people are frustrated with this timeline is because the worry, the worry is not that we're wasting Steph's season. The worry is that this is not going to continue, I think, because we saw how last year Steph started hot, then he was breaking the record, but then he didn't play like that well uh, a couple of months, then he got hurt, and then in the playoffs yeah. he became all time, right? Yeah. But I think the worry is is that we're wasting this season Steph so far because he's playing so well and that by the time these younger guys start to get it or by the time this timeline works or by the time whoever is going to play better Steph's going to be like 85% of of what he is right now. That Steph not averaging 32 points a game, maybe averaging more like 26 that stuff seems to be a little bit more realistic to the usual stuff, right? Like this 32, 33, 34 point stuff, that was 2016 stuff. So I think the worry that was is two years ago, Steph. What scoring, he, he led the league in, in, in scoring, but he wasn't at 32, right? He was like, wasn't he no, at like he 30? Was, was he at 32? I think 32 or 33. It was him and Beal. I remember that. And I think I genuinely believe it was 32. I could be wrong, but. This is just very reminiscent of that year for me. But he is so good right now. 
are you're not a, the least bit worried that he is not going to be able to hold up this what he's doing right now? No, I think it's a fair criticism, but that's been the criticism for like the past three years, especially during that one year. But it's was quite clear that you weren't winning a championship without Clay. Um, you know, I, I feel like the bigger question is and and i i mean that's what the whole that like the andy and sam crew is mm-hmm. kind of pushing right you can't waste steph's prime um you know you don't want to you know you want to get the championships push them more into the all-time uh great book and yeah i mean that i can totally understand why but i wonder if you gave the front office and ownership another opportunity to do this again where you have the wiseman pick and the two and then the kaminga moody pick would you would you still swing for ceiling or or would you go more for high floor, lower ceiling guys? Because, you know, I've pointed out Franz being available at the Kaminga pick and I was I, I was all on board with Kaminga. I was like, oh, cool. Mm-hmm. The Warriors are such a good developing team. Um, and then the Moody pick is fine. But, you know, there's Trey Murphy there as well, who I was pretty high on at the time. Uh, and then the Wiseman pick, you could have traded down. There's Onyeko Okongwu, Isaiah Stewart, Devin Vassell. Like, there's a lot of guys. Tyrese Maxey, Tyrese Halliburton, who probably, and even Lamelo, who probably could have, um, you know, been more fits at that moment. But like, um, it's like, it's just. Do you think, given the opportunity, right now, they would change the course mm-hmm. and go with guys who could help their current core more? Or do you think Lakeup still like once these guys are out, like these guys, we believe these guys can step in and bring us three more in 10, 15 years? I don't know if they would change more than one of those three picks, but they might change they they might have changed one. They might have uh the only the only thing is is if you draft LaMelo, he's a little bit uh, a duplicative uh, of Jordan Poole, right? Exactly. Like, no, one actually, of those guys goes. A lot of people always point at the Lamelo thing, and like we could have drafted him. And I just don't think that he would he would have reached his potential on the Warriors. But I think it would have taken longer, kind of like th- Jordan Poole, maybe three years. Obviously, Lamelo had more talent. And yeah, Jordan Poole does not develop into the player he is today if Lamelo Ball is on that team. And if you're a Warriors fan, you're probably like, all right, good riddance, Jordan Poole. We have Lamelo Ball. But, you know, it's only one or the other, whereas this time you have the chance of having a similar LaMelo Ball archetype, maybe a little worse, and the chance at Wiseman. So I think that was still the right, obviously not, the, by, by the way, Wiseman's playing, like, no, but if there's still a chance, like, I think that, I don't think LaMelo and Poole, you can't have them on the same team trying to develop at the same time. Poole's probably a little bit better of a shooter. Um, LaMelo plays more like a point guard plays for sure. Um, I mean, LaMelo and Draymond on the court at the same time will be kind of interesting. Okay, so you're right. That Steph averaged 32 points exactly two years ago. Mm-hmm. That's the highest of his career, even beating his uh, MVP season. Um, both of them. Both, even beating both MVP seasons. And the... Uh, I'm looking at the shooting percentage. He's shooting the I mean this this is probably not not sustainable, but he's shooting 52.3% right now. And uh five makes, five made threes is not the highest of his career. He he was making 5.3 in, in 2020. Uh his highest three-point percentage was in 2015-2016 when he averaged uh 45. 
four. Actually, no, 2011, 2012, 45.5. So he's at 43.3 right now. The volume, he's he's not even at uh, the highest volume of his career for threes. He's below a few different seasons as far as volume. So uh, I think the two-pointers, though, the two-pointers are he, he's, he's driving really good at he's, those. Yeah. yeah, he's he's looking. He's reading that defense and, and figuring out where all the creases are. So I, I, the only reason I brought this up is because I don't want to say I don't want to jinx him. He's playing exceptional, exceptional basketball. We are we've seen it. We've seen him play his best and he is playing at, you know, near peak uh, of his very best. I just wonder if it's sustainable. And, you know, he's he's at he's averaging six more points a game this year than last year, which is kind of crazy. I mean, as dumb as it sounds, the Warriors would probably prefer him at the 26 range than the 32 range, because the 32 range means he's literally carrying the team on his yep. back every game. And it is not it's not sustainable. I think Kareth Burke also said it's not sustainable. I'm in full agreement that that 2020 to 2021 season, him repeating that is more likely not to happen than it is to happen. Um, and that's no knock to him. It's just, he's getting older and it's just an insane type of play that he's playing right now. And I just don't think for most, for most players, it's not sustainable. So I think that they would almost prefer him at the 26 points per game. Cause that means the other guys are stepping up or the 26 points per game and winning. Sorry. I should have clarified that 20 has to be 26 points per game and they're winning. Cause yeah. that means pool stepping up, clay is stepping up. So um, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's sustainable. Uh, and quite frankly, I don't, I don't think he should be, you know, gunning for something like that because we need him for, you know, two or three more, three to five more years instead of just going all out for this last one. Okay. So, uh, one more thing it's, we'll, we'll quickly look at the Suns game. Uh, but Kaminga, he's kind of sort of gotten back in the rotation. I know he played a lot yesterday, but that was also against, players of his ilk when it comes to mm. experience there was a, you know there's a lot of guys on San Antonio who fit uh, the Kaminga Moody and uh, and Wiseman experience level uh, but he you know he he looked great once they can get up and down you know i wish he had and and we were sort of making fun of this last year he had that spin move that everyone's mm. falling for last year and he's just getting to the cup on it not one single person has fallen for that move this year. What they're falling for is a pump fake. And he's, he's, he, that pump fake is, is working for him. I wish he had more than one dribble move though. Like he's got like a hezzy to go right. And then if he can't get anywhere, then he kind of tries to do the spin move and then just ends up backing the ball down. So the, the, the reason why I say that is because if he is, if, if he's trying to create a play, him staying upright and in front, he can see people. The yeah. second he starts backing people down, he can't see the court yeah. anymore. So he's not going to create for anybody. But um, yeah, I I, I want to see him. I wish he had another dribble move because then I think he'd feel a little bit more comfortable getting to the cup. Like it doesn't seem like he can really go left that well. Mm. But um, but yeah, you know, he looked he looked from, it was fun yesterday. He looked like the yeah. Kaminga from last year. Yesterday, yeah. Mullen called him, you know, one of the best athletes in the NBA. So that was kind of cool. Uh, do you expect him as the eighth man or whatever he is on the roster right now for at least in this version of Kerr's rotation? Do you expect to see any growth or are we just going to see more frustration from him? Because, you know, I think it was against the Kings. He got like two runs 
And then we didn't see him for the rest of the game. And then the mm-hmm. game before that was the Cleveland game. I think he got like, did he even, did he get a DMP in that Cleveland game? I felt like currently played like eight guys that whole game. Uh, I, I think he played the first, he, I think he played a first stint, like four minutes in the first half. And then he okay. got pulled for the rest of it. That's kind of been like what's been happening lately too, but he got some running a lot, a good amount of run because they were blowing him out this game. But, um, I almost like, I, I think I texted you that I was annoyed that Moody and Jamichael were the first ones off the bench because it's like, okay, then what were they doing wrong? Mm-hmm. I feel like sometimes like Kerr does this, Kerr does this. And I think if you're in the position of a young guy, you get pulled and you get sat for that many games. It's like, okay, like, um, or, or like you get pulled because you know, you're doing bad. I feel like that doesn't really show you or that doesn't really send the right message to you. Like, okay, so I could just get pulled whenever then and just get DMPs whenever. I don't know. That's like another whole nother conversation. But with Kaminga, I feel like, is there young guys who have really taken steps and progressed in a role? I'm, I'm, I'm not entirely sure because I feel like watching Kaminga, he like limits himself. I feel like when you're talking about with the, with the dribble move, I'm more looking at, yeah, that'd be great if he can get another nice dribble move. But I'm more looking at the pace he plays. It's literally all gas, no breaks. And I don't think that is going to help him take the next step. He needs pace. He needs. I would be interested in seeing him be the, the ball handler in a pick and roll situation instead of him which is always being the, the screen setter. Because like you said, if he's just you know standing upright, he might be able to see the offense more. He profiled more as like a playmaker too in the G League Ignite. So I'd be interested in seeing that or just him being in the Draymond role where sets the high screen for Steph, gets the ball in the paint, and then gets to make a decision. Like, I want to see more of that stuff from him instead of just like, oh my God, I have the ball in fast break. What? Are, like, I just got to run and try to put up a shot. <laughs> like, I'm watching the Pistons, like early Jaden Ivey, like the first 10 games, he was doing that too. He's playing a little more pace, but it's still, it's it's this all gas, no breaks type of athleticism because they were able to dunk over everyone in high school that they're just like, yeah, why can't I still do it? Like I go, now I'm going up in the air. It's like, oh my God, like I got up here and there's like five guys right there. I don't know what to do. But there's a, there's, it's all decision-making though, because he's, he's a, he, he wants his athleticism to help him make that decision on what he's going to do. And when it gets shut down, he doesn't have a plan B mm-hmm. and that's what he needs to be comfortable. It's like, okay, if I do this, and I can score here, then let's score. If I do this and I get shut down, what's the thing to do? Because he's got to do it immediately. And what he does now is he gets stuck and he holds. And then he stops his dribble. And yeah. then he gets trapped. And then, you know, then then everyone's sort of scrambling to get the ball. But it's it's really just decision making, right? Like he's yeah, going yeah, totally. to get to a point in those it, once he can slow the game down a little bit, he'll figure, okay. I'm setting this up. He's going to stop me. And then I know, boom, like he made a great pass to gosh, who was it? Someone went back door and, uh, and he, he found him for a layup. I think I was it was, like, An- ah, was it Anthony lamb. Might be Anthony lamb, and lamb, curry, DiVincenzo. They were all going back door on, on San yeah. Antonio. I don't know yeah. what San Antonio was doing, but that's, you know, that's more the decision-making piece where he's going to figure it out and go, okay, this is second nature. Like, Oh, this is what the offense is. Cause they kept uh, Mullen kept calling it, the read and react and, and Clay even called mm-hmm. it read and react. You got to be able to read the floor and react. He didn't say, you know, they're like calling this play and it's going here and here and here. And he's like, Nope, you're reading the floor and that dictates where you're going with the basketball. So 
that stuff has to become second nature for these guys. And they're it, it'll hopefully do that as they get more reps. They're all, I'm sure, uh, so who said, that there was a quote about all the uh, downloading of information that you have to do as a young player. And because it doesn't come naturally. Mm-hmm. There was a young player who said it, and I thought, I was like, wow, that that's a really smart way of saying it because we watch the court we can see like this wide view of the court and go like, oh, like this guy's open over here. But yeah, we're not yeah. that person. We're not that one person mode to see, oh, the, he's worried about getting trapped on this side. He's worried about this man stepping up yep. to see what he's going to do. So it's so many different things that are throwing at these guys. That, that's why I hate the term basketball IQ because it's not really basketball IQ. It is uh, intuition. And um, it's more intuition and it's more repetition, and yep. in that repetition, doing the 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 thing that you're supposed to do. IQ is so generic, and it makes it it makes the fans. It makes me feel like you know Joe Fan thinks he's smarter than a, an actual basketball player. There's no way Jonathan Kaminga is smarter than any of us at you know a casual ca- uh, hardcore fan, right? Smarter basketball iq than any of us so for us to say that i think is a little disingenuous but that's just my my problem with uh, basketball twitter more so than <laughs> anything else um do you do you feel like kaminga like is the is the main point we're trying to make here is like you almost need to rely on your basketball skills and intuition more than you do your athleticism which is almost what you're currently doing yeah i i think the athleticism has always bailed him out and mm-hmm. now he's playing against players who are better than him and so now it's it's like okay if he's going to be a really good player then he's also going to get really good at these other things that he's not as good at yet like Mm -hmm. think about think about steph right steph's shooting essentially bails him out of every possibility but he's also not the fastest and he's also not the tallest so he's got to be creative and inventive with so many things like you look at the tape of him when he's a little a little guy and like he's the same like he's even quicker back then but he's fi- he's like finding he's going into traps and they're trapping him and he's you know he's can't make a pass over a taller guy cuz he's not that tall and you know just stronger he's getting pushed out of the way and you know CP's got his hand on Steph's hip and he's just holding him there like all those kind of things you go back to those early Steph tapes and now Steph is the master at doing all of that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. He's the master of it. And it's just how hard is he going to work? And all of those different things that, uh, you know, Kaminga's like, a, he's like a baby giraffe right now. He's like, there, there's this clay that you're, I'm sure the the team, the, 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 the people in charge of development are like, we're going to, once we unlock this guy, it's going to be crazy. And that's why you hold on to him. And that's why you have faith in him because, you believe in his talent. And I hope that they feel the same way about Wiseman. I agree. And, you know, you said that the, the one young player was like, you know, you gotta, you gotta retain and and get all this information. You can multiply that by like three or five when you're playing on the Warriors too. Yeah. Cause that read and react stuff is really different than what you've probably played in high school. You know, just you watching. If we, if we went to a practice and we watched, that stuff. Now they probably wouldn't let us in because they don't want us to then go tell their secrets to other teams. But <laughs> like, I'm sure like our basketball, like our mind, our basketball mind as it is now, we could go to their practice and maybe like 
listen on watch tape with them and and talk to Steve and talk to his coaches, our head would explode and it would just go, <laughs> oh my gosh, I didn't know basketball could be this, right? So uh I love it. I love it. I love seeing this stuff. I've I've watched all these young players from the Warriors, you know, growing up, and there have been a lot of guys who you all thought were gonna make it. Anthony Randolph was one of them. He was he was like the unicorn, right? He's like the six ten guy who could handle the rock. He couldn't make it. He I, th- I think he had a pretty good career overseas, though. Um, you know, uh players who 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 they drafted, um gosh, I'm trying to think, uh, you know, Troy Murphy. Uh, Todd Fuller, like these stiffs who they drafted instead of r- really good players. And you're just like, man, we have it really good right now. So they have some great talent. Some, some of it is we got to be patient, but you un- also understand why the wins and losses are so important to them right now. Yep. All right. It's, yeah. Phoenix. They whipped the Warriors butts last time. Uh, why is this game in Phoenix again? Why can't, why can't, I guess the next two games will be at home, but next. Yep. Uh, or next, are they in the Warriors division? Yes, they're eight and five, but they have lost two games in a row. Um, they are eight and five. Clippers are eight and six. Sacramento six and six. Warriors six and eight. Lakers three and ten. Uh, but yeah, so they're back in Phoenix uh, tomorrow night, and I think this is like another one of those prove it games for the Warriors. Like they got smacked in Phoenix last time. They kind of got embarrassed. In a, in a way, right? Because the clay stuff was uh, such a big part of that broadcast and the way he got kicked out. And then it was a close game and the Warriors were fighting, fighting, fighting. And then they just got smacked. So I, I'm not, I, I'm saying I'll predict that they're going to win, mm-hmm. but this is going to be like tooth and nail, man. This is, this is going to be a fight. And Cam Johnson is still hurt, right? So, you know, you know if it's national TV, it's, it's got to be the T. It's got to be the ESPN game, is my guess. It'd be Wednesday. Yeah, I don't even. Uh, I, I don't know how to check online. I know how to check on the phone. Um, but yeah, no Cam Johnson, and I think when we did, we've done game predictions for like a week out, like two weeks straight now, and I think that you said. A win for the Cavs game. I said a loss. They won. But I think I said they that the Kings might get one of those games. And you said yeah. we beat the Kings twice. Yep. So I think we're going to be in agreement on this one because I actually do think that the Warriors will win. I said that they needed to prove it to me. And even though it was against the poopy Spurs, like the style of play and the confidence did look different that game. And Jordan Poole did look different that game. Um, so I'm going to go with that. They, they, ro- they run with the high. The Suns have lost two straight. I think one against the Magic too. So, and Cam J- Johnson's not 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 there so I, I i think i'm just you know i think they start i don't know if they're still doing it but when cam johnson first went down like the first two games they started tory craig at like mm-hmm. the four or if they just move mikhail bridges down spot mm-hmm. but i think the warriors really need to take advantage of their of their depth chart right now because if d lee's like your seventh guy and d lee was like dmp for us like you got to take advantage of that you got to you know just go at him d lee scoring seven points a game <laughs> Shooting, I'm rooting for him, but it's just like the 40, hard truth. Yeah, he's shooting 45% from three, but he's only taken three and a half a game. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Devin Booker's having a fantastic season. He's at 26.5. Mikel Bridges is scoring at 15.6 clip. Uh, DeAndre Ayton, 14.6. CP3, 9.5 down. 
points a game. He's still assisting at nine nine point four. He's still grabbing four and a half rebounds, but he's not even shooting barely. Shooting thirty six percent from the field. I don't even know who Jock Landale is. <laughs> Who's that? Guy? He played against us last time. He's like a big, a big. Uh, oh like yeah, I remember that guy. guy yeah, maybe? I remember that guy now. I remember that. Guy I think now. he was in the. Um, he was on the Spurs, and then I think he got traded to the Hawks for that Dejounte Murray deal. With Dejounte, or did he get traded from the Hawks to the Spurs, and then he got traded to the Suns? So that's kind of his where he's from. But man, they need him. <laughs> Josh Okogie's playing. He's he's played almost every game, but he's the lowest scorer on the entire team. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna have to sit with that one. <laughs> uh, and uh, Tory, like you said, Tory Craig, uh, he's getting a lot of minutes from a minutes perspective. Um, since Cameron Johnson, uh, Cam Johnson is out. Uh, off the bench, Payne, um, Craig, Lee, Shamit, Landale, then Bismack, Biombo. Those are the the next leaders in minutes. So uh, I'm excited. I probably won't even get to watch the game until Thursday because I have to do so many podcasts tomorrow. But uh, I'm excited because I think this is this is like one of those games where they'll get a lot if they play well and if they win. Like they'll come out of it. Like going back, okay, we just went toe to toe with these guys, kind of like the um, the Christmas game last year, where that mm-hmm. was really the game where they were like, "Huh, I think we're better than people think we are," and and that's gonna, you know, a game like that, it, it does a lot for your psyche, does a lot for your swagger, does a lot for your overall team confidence, and uh, yeah, I think I think it's gonna be uh, I think it's gonna be a good one. So, but it, man, if if the Warriors get smacked again, we're we're sort of back at 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 square one. With, it's with almost must win. Yeah, like the Suns are down. Cam Johnson, Jay Crowder, Javale McGee left. Like they are down some pretty key pieces from the last year's team, who the Warriors, you know, was were convinced that they could easily beat in the playoffs. So, yep. the yep. Suns are just a really good regular season team, and they're really good. They're really fun to watch, and the home crowd's always fun. So. I just, yeah, I don't, I don't have faith in this team in the long run, but we'll see. All right. What's the latest bam. Oh, we just put out, um, we, we did our Sunday basketball pod. We talked Celtics Hawks and Miami heat. And then the football guys just put out a podcast. They talked the Eagles finally lost, uh, the Niners. I think they talked some Niners and I think they talked good old, good old Jeff Saturday. Is that his name from the Colts, <laughs> the Colts coach? Sean <laughs> had a nice little tangent about him. Those, that and then game. they beat the Raiders. I know. And then our, Eric's on the podcast. Who's the Raider fan. <laughs> it's pretty entertaining. I was listening to it. It's like, Oh, you guys are funny. So oh, man, that's good. Check. Yeah. Check it out on, uh, the bam, wherever you get your podcast, just two words. Okay, so uh, we'll be back next week. Uh, we'll, we'll figure out the, the schedule because next week is Thanksgiving week. Um, but, uh, yeah, we'll be back with another show, and hopefully for the Warriors they get another dub and can sneak ever so closely back to 500. So for Bri, I'm Double G. We'll see you when we see you. Peace out.